and we'll remove that. What's up, everybody? This is Nick from P2W Fantasy. Um, hoping everybody had a nice Thanksgiving, um, regardless of how big or small your gathering was. Uh, hope you had a, at least some time to relax uh, with some family. So going to talk some Week 12 football here. Uh, brief recap of the games that happened on Thanksgiving because we've talked enough about those already. Um, real quick, where's it at? Yeah, rocking the P2W sweatshirt now. So just making moves with that. But let's get into it here. Um, Texans-Lions, the takeaway from that game that I had is the stack of Watson, Fuller, and Cooks is just outstanding as of late. Last week, Deshaun Watson was the number one back in fantasy. And then as he followed up on Thanksgiving, he gives us another massive game. So uh, he had a 33.12 game, four touchdowns against Detroit. So I know Detroit's not the greatest defense of all time, but at the same time, him going back-to-back 30-plus weeks shows that Deshaun Watson is to be reckoned with here. Good early afternoon. What's up, Chris? Will Fuller had the massive game. Uh, I think he had 35. He had uh, seven targets. What we do learn, though, from this is you literally can play all three of these guys on a weekly basis, and you should be comfortable doing so. The stack of Watson, Fuller, and Brandon Cooks. Brandon Cooks had a decent game. Didn't hit his projection, but he had, he had a good game. I think he was around 13-5-ish around there. On the other hand, with the Washington and Cowboys game, the talk of fantasy, obviously, is Antonio Gibson having his massive, massive breakout. He's had some decent games this season where he's had, um, looking at prior weeks, 17-4, 22-5. He had 18.8 in week seven. So he's had some good games, but nothing like this. He had 36.6 against the Dallas Cowboys with three touchdowns. So he was obviously the talk of fantasy. Let's go, my friend. Hope all is well. Hammercast, my man. Thanks for checking in. Uh, but yeah, so... With Gibson, I think he's just an obvious weekly play now. I think in the past we juggled around the idea of, you know, McKissick coming in and taking away the passing game from him a bit. But he caught five balls in this game, and McKissick wasn't on the field a whole ton um, in comparison to other weeks where McKissick would have like 14 targets. So Gibson in this game, 20 carries and five catches. The volume was insane. Uh, obviously, talk of Twitter, talk of fantasy. Antonio Gibson, just a massive game for him. So we've talked enough about those games. I'm sure we've all seen enough tweets and uh, had conversations already. So we'll just move on to Sunday's slate. And the first game we'll get into here is the Chargers versus Bills, which should be a very exciting game in my opinion, especially to seeing how often uh, Justin Herbert's throwing the ball. Um, the volume for the passing game is just massive right now. Uh, and you're going to have to have that against the Bills because on the other side of the ball, obviously Josh Allen is going to be leading the way there. And it's going to be a tough matchup. So uh, last game, Herbert had 49 passing attempts. So what that tells me is in this Bills game, regardless of how good or bad or strong you view the Bills defense, you have to look at the pass catchers. And the obvious play, the obvious play in this game is just Keaton Allen. Um, I don't think you're second guessing ever plugging him in. Obviously, he's probably a top five wide receiver rest of the season. I think he's a top three. Um 19 targets he had in the last game, which is insane. So he is a weekly matchup winner. But the guy I want to talk about briefly here, though, is Mike Williams, who's a little bit boomer bust in his play. But with having such a high passing volume offense, 
Mike Williams could come in and have a nice week. I mean, he's projected 12-1 in a regular PPR ESPN league. He's been above that plenty of times in the past one, two, three, four weeks. So across the last four weeks, 21-13-1, 5.8, and then 17.2. So he had one bad game. And then a bunch of games where he beat his projection clearly on those weeks. So I think in this Buffalo Bills game, the focus obviously is going to be on that 19 target guy, Keenan Allen. But at the same time, having that volume of a passing offense gives uh, Mike Williams the the chance to really have a um, boom week in comparison to the slower weeks he's had in the past. I like Hunter Henry as well. Um, Back-to-back games, 13 plus. He had 13 and then 14.8. I think if he finds the the end zone like he has in the past two games, it's a big week for the tight end position. Bills need Milano on the field or the entire defense struggles. I mean, they we, we've seen the Bills defense struggle plenty, um, maybe not on a consistent basis, but man, they got lit up by uh, Mahomes the week they played them. I know that's for sure. Um, we have some stats on Travis Kelsey, uh, 75.5 receiving yards. During that game, um, I don't know. That's that's more for you betting guys over there, I think. Uh, on the other side of the ball, Stefan Diggs is a talk. Um, one of the clear-cut fantasy options uh, to go to, but Cole Beasley's being slept on in fantasy. I talked about this um, on a thread that I just wrote, and Cole Beasley being the wide receiver 25, if you play in a 12-team league, just think about this. If he's pushing to be a top 24 That means that he, just statistically here, if everybody had the same sort of team, you know, outlook and and things like that, Cole Beasley should be someone's wide receiver two almost on their team. Now, obviously, some teams have a stronger wide receiver core than others, this and that. You know, different teams are built different ways. But just from a statistical standpoint, if he's a top 25 wide receiver, there should be no reason why we shouldn't be comfortable playing Cole Beasley on a weekly basis we might think that he's not going to give you that Will Fuller, like we just talked about sort of game, but he had 27.9 last week. I mean, on on 13 targets, he had 12 targets against the Jets in week seven. Um, He's had seven targets in a couple games. Now John Brown is out. I think that gives Cole Beasley a huge boost, especially since he's been a consistent fantasy um, asset. 13.7 averaging uh, points on the year is good. And he's beat that a handful of times. He's had a 16, a 14.5, 22.2, and a 27.9. So he's beat that average a handful of times. And I think when the Bills are going to need somebody to throw to beyond Stefan Diggs, Cole Beasley's proven to be a guy who can be efficient and effective on this team. So I know a lot of people like to get cute sometimes and say, hey, Gabriel Davis, you know, rookie, he could be a sneaky play. Sure. Um, if you're in a deeper league, I, I'd say Davis could be a sneaky play. But Cole Beasley, I know it's not the super sexy uh, option. But at the same time, he's, he scored above his projection, you know, enough to make him a guy that can have a decent sized ceiling. So he's he's not even a low ceiling sort of guy. So Cole Beasley could be a good play in this game. Next game on the slate here, the Titans versus the Colts. So that'll be an interesting one. Um, I think uh, both teams can provide some decent defense. Obviously, the Colts are looked at as having um, – you know, a solid core of defenders there, uh, different linebackers outside of their, their go-to man uh, pop up um, in terms of uh, uh, making plays and things like that. But uh, one guy I'll be looking at again in this game is Michael Pittman Jr. Last game, only three targets, but he made the most of them. He scored a touchdown. He had 66 yards on those three targets, 15.6. 
week 10 against the Titans. So they just played the Titans. He had eight targets and he caught seven of them. So that was his big breakout game. Michael Pittman, he did it against the Tennessee Titans. Could he do it again against the Titans? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I think he's a massive uh, part of this offense now for the Colts having seven, eight, and then three targets. So he's had 18 targets in the last three games. I think he's put his stamp on this team. And I think Rivers is starting to trust him, even with last game, him not having as many targets as the previous two. So Michael Pittman Jr. to me is a good play in this game. Another guy who's been pretty hot in fantasy across the last handful of weeks here, he had one really bad game against Chicago in week nine, uh, which I'm not going to complain about as a Bears fan, but Corey Davis has been hot in fantasy. I know uh, A.J. Brown is the athletic freak that we talk about more often, but Corey Davis across one, two, three, four, five weeks has scored 11.7 or more points in all of those weeks. He was 16 plus in two out of those five weeks. So he's coming off a 16.3 game. He had seven targets. Outside of the bad game against Chicago, he had 10 targets back-to-back weeks in weeks seven and eight. And then outside of the Chicago game again, weeks 10 and 11, six and seven targets. So he's getting a ton of volume in his passing offense. He is a guy that's been pretty effective with that. Uh, I know in the past, you know, we were waiting for this big breakout, but it's it's really been a thing for him this year. He, he missed a handful of weeks. Otherwise, Corey Davis would not be the wide receiver 37. So he's still a top 40 option, and he had the bye week, obviously, and then he missed uh, two other weeks of football with that dud of a week against Chicago. So if you're looking for a guy to to plug in that could have a high ceiling, if he finds the end zone and and you know is going to have the passing volume, I think that's a good play against this uh, this Colts team, even though the Colts defense we look at is being one that has been pretty solid through through the year. The quarterbacks, we can talk about uh, Phillip Rivers a little bit, but I, I like to talk about uh, Ryan Tannehill here. I think he's a little bit under-projected in this game. 15.9, I think, is an under-projection, even against this uh, this Colts defense. Um, they might be the best passing defense in the league. That could be debatable there, but we saw against Baltimore, who is not a joke of a defense, he had 21.86. So he's he's coming off a good week. He, he's had a week where he scored 28, 6, 4, 30, He's been 26.76 week two. So he's had some good games. So I know he might be a guy that a lot of people are fading, but he's done well against some good defenses in the past. And we have a breaking news, literally right as I'm talking about this game. Uh, Just got it on the app here. Jonathan Taylor is out Sunday because of COVID-19 protocols. Interesting. So we're literally just talking about this game right now. So looks like Wilkins is going to be a guy that can get a huge boost in volume. Wow. Literally just broke on my phone right there. Jonathan Taylor is out on Sunday due to COVID protocols. So we don't know if he tested positive. He could have just been in close contact. They don't have that information right away. But uh, wow, that changes everything ironically in the game that I was just talking about. Panthers versus Vikings. So I think... There's some rumblings about Christian McCaffrey being questionable in this game. Uh, but I think what rule has been coach rule has been hinting at is it's not likely to happen. So Mike Davis becomes your, your play there. Uh, if for some crazy reason, McCaffrey does play. I mean, I think you always play McCaffrey. I think he's good enough to be on limited touches and still produce against almost any defense in the league. 
if he doesn't play like Curtis Samuel a lot in this game, though. Curtis Samuel's been rushing the ball on and off throughout the season. Um, you know, he'll have four carries here. He might have one or two in some other games, but he's been good rushing the ball with McCaffrey out, and I think they've used him more so with the loss of the number one fantasy player in football. Um, last game, he only had one carry, but uh, the previous three, so weeks eight, nine, and 10, he had three carries apiece um, across seven through 11, the weeks there. He's had two rushing touchdowns. So Curtis Samuel with Christian McCaffrey out is almost like this gadget player running back as well as a pass catcher. One, two, three, four, five weeks of football. He's been 17.3 or more in four out of five. So he went 17-3, 21-4, 26-8. He had a bad week against Tampa. And then he had 21.4 last game where he had 10 targets. I think Curtis Samuel's a little bit slept on. I think he's a weekly play. I think when McCaffrey's back, then we have to reevaluate this a little bit more just because he doesn't get those carries like he used to and maybe the passing work is not as much. But Curtis Samuel without Christian McCaffrey, I like a lot this week. Pretty sure Thielen is out this week. Um, Might have hit the COVID-19 list. I wouldn't go run and grab B.C. Johnson. Um, Justin Jefferson, I think, is going to get a lot of coverage on him. But against the um, Carolina defense, I still think Justin Jefferson is going to be a great play. I don't think you ever question that. He he did have two kind of dud of weeks, weeks eight and nine. But he's coming off of two hot performances against Chicago and Dallas. So obviously Chicago is a bit better of a defense than the poorest Dallas Cowboys defense. But 21.5 and 17.6 the last two weeks, you don't hesitate playing Justin Jefferson. And now he's going to be even more in demand. Um, in this game, Kyle Rudolph would be another guy. If you're in a pinch for the, the tight end position, I, I might consider, um, he's projected seven, six, I believe Irv Smith jr. Is out, uh, hasn't really scored well this season, but if they're missing Thielen, maybe he gets a bump in fantasy pro- uh, production. But I think that's only if you're in a real pinch for the tight end position. Browns Jaguars. So Nick Chubb, you know, being back the last uh, two weeks here, has had one good outing and then one so-so outing. So against Philly, you know, he went 20 for 114, which was good. I mean, that's a that's a 5.7 yards per carry average. Um, that's a lot of yards as well. Week 10, he had 126 yards against the Houston defense, which we know is not very good. So what's missing from last week, I think, is any sort of passing work. He had zero catches in these two games. He did have a touchdown in, in week 10. So Nick Chubb against this Jacksonville defense, that's your weekly play. He could be a start of the week for a lot of people. What'll be interesting to me is Kareem Hunt and what his involvement's going to look like. He's had four catches in the last two games, which you you, you sometimes think should be a bit more, but um, 19 carries and 13 carries against these, uh, these two defenses they just played. So we know Nick Chubb's back. We know Nick Chubb has had a lot of yardage the last two games. But what we're learning about Cleveland is they're winning games and they're doing so on the ground. It's not through their quarterback who's not played well. It's on the ground. So both guys are a weekly play. Kareem Hunt for me uh, being projected 14. I think if they go up against the Jags, maybe they ease off a Nick Chubb a little bit just because he's been out for so many weeks. So I wouldn't be surprised if this game finishes with Kareem Hunt having more carries than Nick Chubb. A lot of people would say, no, that shouldn't be the case. Nick Chubb's the, the running back one. But at the same time, Think about how situational this game is going to get, um, especially with uh, 
Mike Lennon behind center throwing the ball. So if they get up big, I wouldn't be surprised if they ease off a of Nick Chubb a bit in this game. One tight end streamer I like uh, a lot this week is Dawson Hooper, um, especially for you guys that are struggling at the position. You know, you have a lot of hot and cold tight ends. Um, Landry, I think last game might have had like two targets to Hooper's five. So Hooper was targeted more. He didn't score well. But I think against this Jacksonville team, um, they give up the six most fantasy points per game to tight ends. I just read Hooper can have a good week. Hooper can have that Atlanta Falcons week this week. So if you're juggling between Hooper and a guy like Hayden Hurst or a guy, maybe even like a guy like Johnu Smith, I think I'm going Austin Hooper this week to be a top five play. So if you're juggling between two, I'm going him just because the volume has been good outside of week 10. He saw games with 10 targets, seven targets, six. He had five last week. If he finds the end zone on a touchdown against this team that allows a lot of points to tight ends, Austin Hooper's going to be a good play. Other side of the ball, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, James Robinson gets used and abused per usual in this game, especially with Glennon under center. Um, 17 carries this past game with two catches, so that's 19 touches. The week before, he had 25 touches, and then week nine, he had 25 as well. So he's had 25 touches in the last two out of three weeks, and then he had 19 in one of them. So the volume is insane. I don't care who the matchup is. It can be the Steelers. It can be the Ravens. It could be the Colts. You're playing James Robinson on a weekly basis. I think the pass catcher to talk about in this game, though, is Keelan Cole with DJ Chark out of it. Um, Keelan Cole, two weeks ago, so week 10, he had a 21.7-point uh, week, which was good for him. He had a touchdown. He had seven targets. This past week, he had five targets, only caught two of them. Have to look at film to determine whose you know fault that was, but he is going to have to be involved in this offense. Chris Conley is not a reliable option. Chris Conley gets a lot of targets at times, and he doesn't do anything with them. So Keelan Cole with DJ Chark out on a team that is going to have to throw the ball at some point in this game, and Mike Lennon's just going to have to let loose, and we'll have to see what that even looks like. I think Keelan Cole is a guy that you can flex this week. He's projected 11.9. If he scores 12 points and he beats it by one, I don't think you're mad about that at all. Um, we've seen Keelan Cole have some good weeks in fantasy. He's had a 15-7, a 17.8. He's had a 20.3, a 21.7. So he's had big weeks, and I don't think you have to scratch him off just because um, Mike Lennon's under center, which is scary, but it is what it is with that. Giants Bengals. So I've been talking about this guy for the last few weeks, and I wrote him off last year in fantasy because I thought he was kind of of a dud with the um, playing time he did receive with Saquon being out. But weeks 7 through 10 – I wrote this down like a hundred times. Week seven through 10, Wayne Gallman has been the RB3. The RB3. So if he is the RB3 across those weeks, Wayne Gallman is an automatic play for me, especially against the Cincinnati Bengals. This game might get sketchy because we don't know what's going to happen from the Bengals quarterback situation with Allen starting and obviously Joe Burrow being out. Uh, Cincinnati's defense has allowed the fourth most rushing yards per game along with six touchdowns. So it's a running back friendly matchup. He scored 16-4, 13-2, 14-7, and then 19 last game. He had the buy in week 11. Wayne Gallman is hot. I wouldn't be surprised if when Devontae Freeman comes back, if Wayne Gallman continues to carry the load because he's been awesome in fantasy. I mean, obviously, 
when you're evaluating who's where on the depth chart, you're not looking at fantasy, but fantasy usually equals production. So Wayne Gallman being the RB3 across weeks 7 through 10 is an automatic play. 12.5 is the projection. I think it's well below what it should have been because the last one, two, three, four weeks of football, he hasn't scored under 13 points. So he had 13-2 against Tampa, and they're pretty good. Last time I checked that defense. So I like that play a lot. Um, Sterling Shepard, I think he, he just got uh, activated. I think he might have been uh, questionable for the game. Sterling Shepard is a wide receiver one on this team. I know a lot of guys like Slayton. Slayton's super boomer bust, but he's mostly a bust sort of guy, it seems like. But Sterling Shepard, the last one, two, three, four weeks, has saw eight, ten, eight, and six targets. So do the math on that, and that's just a lot of targets. He, he's averaging probably around like eight really, if you if you um, bump the six and the 10 in between the two and have the two eight games. So Sterling Shepard can be a great play in this game. If Slayton has a big play, you can say, hey, you know, it could be a good play as well, but he's so boomer bust that I'm, I'm actually a guy that kind of avoids Slayton. Um, don't have him anywhere, but I think I would avoid him. What'll be interesting um, to me in this game is what does uh, the quarterback do in terms of the fantasy production of T Higgins and Tyler Boyd. We don't care about AJ Green enough right now to talk about him. Brandon Allen. So I know I, I read up some stuff last week uh, or earlier this week that Brandon Allen made Cortland Sutton last season in his start for Denver super fantasy relevant. What I don't know is what does this mean for Tyler Boyd and T Higgins? I think Tyler Boyd is more of a short play sort of guy. He can line up in the slot. He lines up other places, but he's more of a target reception sort of guy. T Higgins can be a downfield threat. What does this mean for these two? I think it's something up in the air. If you have both of them, which would be great for you. I'm not entirely sure who I'd play. I think Tyler Boyd is a safer option just because he's more of the, the vet, I guess. But man, I it's up in the air with what these two guys are going to be. Um, in terms of fantasy production with this new quarterback that we don't know much about. Cardinals, Patriots, Cardinals, Patriots. So obviously D hop is your play um, on a weekly basis for the uh, wide receiver position. Christian Kirk's an interesting guy because he's had some uh, pretty fantasy relevant games where he's gone off. He's also had games that have been a little bit of a, of a dud um, here and there. So, I think Christian Kirk in this game could be fantasy relevant. The wide receivers I'm avoiding at all costs. And the reason for that is Demir Bird, I think last week had his big game where he had a massive target share. Uh, I'm pretty sure he had like, I'm going to pull it up right now. Yeah, seven targets and he caught six of them. So last week for the Patriots, it was a Demir Bird game. Nikhil Harry was my <clears throat> receiver that I was interested in uh, from the start of the season. Never really had a good week outside of week two. He was okay in week four. Um, last week he had 9.1 points, so nothing crazy, but he did see eight targets. So he had more targets than Demir Bird. He just didn't do as much with them. And then the question comes, what, what, well, what about Jacoby Myers? Because Jacoby Myers has been awesome in fantasy the last couple of weeks outside of last week. Outside of last week where he caught all three of his targets, he had seven, 14, and 10 targets. He had 10 plus games in one, two, three, four weeks of football. He had 15.86 in week 10. He had 28.9 in week nine. My advice is to avoid the Patriots wide receivers. I mean, if you're in a pinch and you have to play one of them, I'm not sure I can trust Demir Bird because it's like every other week he's involved. 
Nikhil Harry's been very quiet, but he, he he does have a connection with Cam. We saw, you know, the video with Cam sliding down the bench and he's talking to Nikhil Harry and he, he's given him a lot of targets in a few of the games here. Jacoby Myers was very, very hot in fantasy, but now he cooled off last week a little bit. So if you can avoid one of these guys, I, I, I think I am um, in this game just because we have no idea what it's going to look like uh, for um, the target share and who's going to actually step up with their targets for the Patriots. Kenyon Drake's coming off a good week. So um, obviously against Seattle, who's not the best defense, but he had 16 points there. Didn't have a lot of carries. So he had 11 carries in that game just because of game script, obviously. And then he had four catches as well. The four catches is interesting for Chase Edmonds managers because Chase Edmonds was supposed to be the pass catcher. And now you got Kenyon Drake equaling him last week in passes caught. So I think before we thought Chase Edmonds might have standalone value. He still can, but if he's not receiving almost all the passing work, I'm not sure how optimistic I am about Chase Edmonds. Dolphins, Jets, Dolphins, Jets. So uh, huge rivalry here. Um, but Tua is, I think, questionable going into this week. I think if it's a, if you're a guy who's starting Tua on and off in a one-quarterback league, I don't think it's the week for Tua. I know it's an easy matchup, but if you look at games where the Dolphins didn't have to throw a lot, they let Tua just kind of game manage a little bit. That first uh, that game against the Rams where he had his first start, he threw the ball 22 times. He had 12 pass it, uh, passes um, completed to receivers. If this is a game where they run over the Jets, I don't see Tua throwing the ball a lot. Last game, he got benched, but he had 11 completions. He had 15 against the Chargers. The only game he really let loose was against the Cardinals where he had 20 completions for 28 attempts. So two is not a guy I'm playing this week in this easy matchup because I don't think that they're going to have to have him throw the ball a lot. And I think they're a team that likes to manage the game a little bit better than other teams where, you know, Mahomes, it doesn't matter what the score is. He's going to throw Justin Herbert. I don't think it matters what the score is. He's going to throw Tua. It's not the case for him. I think Gaskin might be back and I don't know what that, looks like in terms of it, if he's hundred percent healthy or not, they took him um, off of a zero projection up to like 15, I think. Yeah. 15, four. I like miles Gaskin a lot. I liked him a hell of a lot better than Ahmed, which everybody was drooling over. That's a personal preference just because Gaskin has had a lot of good games in fantasy. And we were like dying over a one week, good Ahmed game. Gaskin's the guy. Uh, and I know Ahmed is injured, but in the games he actually played, he saw 22 carries, 16, 18, 18 carries. And then he would have, you know, he would have five, three, five, four, three catches. So the volume for Miles Gaskin has always been good. If he's a go and they say he's 100% healthy, I like him in this, in this matchup a lot. I just hope that we have some clarity on, hey, he's playing, but he's at 50%. He's at 60%. He's at 100%. If Miles Gaskins at 100%, he's a great play for the week, and I think 15.4 is generous to what he could do to this Jets team. On the other side of the ball, you got a couple of receivers that have been up and down. Um, Crowder's look weird lately just because he hasn't had the, the monster target share that he's used to having. The guy I think could have a breakout, though, is the rookie Denzel Mims. Here's the reason why. Eight targets in his last two games. He had three against Kansas City, which was a little bit of a surprise, but then he had seven against Buffalo. So that's 26 targets in one, two, three, four games there. I like that a lot. I think 
one of the main things I look for in receivers. So this could be wide receivers or tight ends or pass catching backs, I guess, is targets. What does the targets look like? What is the number of targets they're getting? And is it consistent? Is it consistent for Mims? Absolutely. He's had seven plus in uh, three out of four of his last games. He had that one game where he had two catches for three targets, scratched that one off because in, in these other games, he's had almost eight targets in all of them. He hasn't scored above 10-2, so 10.2. But I think, I think in this game, this could be the week that he has his breakout. Miami is not a joke in terms of defense. They used to be. But I think with him having such a high target share, I think he's the number one targeted guy the last couple of weeks here. I think he's due for a breakout if he finds the end zone or one big play. So if he has one big play, Denzel Mims, and then he catches a couple other passes, he's smoking his projection for the week. His projection is 9-2. If he catches a big play and then has a couple other catches, he can smoke that projection. He, he's a good play this week in, in uh, terms of a guy that can boom. Raiders-Falcons, uh, Todd Gurley's out. What does that mean for Brian Hill? He's projected 12.9. I, I don't I don't know if the Falcons are the best team to be a running back on. Todd Gurley was so good in fantasy for weeks now due to finding the end zone and scoring touchdowns. Brian Hill could catch passes. We, we saw him catch a decent amount this season. I think the total is 16. That's okay. A lot of these games, he's catching one or two balls. He caught three in week seven. He's got to have a lot of volume in this game, and I think he will just because Todd Gurley typically gets a decent amount of carries. But if he doesn't score, I'm not sure I'm convinced on him having the best week here. So I think Brian Hill is a little bit more of a dart throw than people think just because he's got to find the end zone to be relevant. Now, the Raiders against running backs are not the best, so I think due to that, he could potentially have a good week, but... Again, I, th I think he's got to find the end zone for him to have some good fantasy relevance in this game. I don't throw the ball a hell of a lot to the running back. Calvin Ridley, I, what I love about Calvin Ridley going into this week is that I don't see the Q, the red Q next to his name right now. And that's fantastic because on a weekly basis, it seems like Calvin Ridley is always questionable due to some sort of injury. Calvin Ridley can easily be a top three wide receiver play on a weekly basis with or without Julio. The volume is insane. He's had games where he's had 12, 13, 10, 9 targets. And he's had plenty of games well above his projections. He scored 20-plus, 1, 2, 3 times. And he scored 18-plus, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5 times. So his average is 18. He scored 18-plus, 5 times. You know, he's had a little bit of a dud here or there just because he, he would leave the game injured or, you know, they would have a, a struggle going on in that offense. But Calvin Ridley is such a fantasy darling this year, especially with the volume that he has. Henry Ruggs, Brian Edwards, I don't know if they will ever have relevance this season because the only guy that can really pop up on a fantasy report here is Nelson Aguilar. Some guys, you know, we're talking about him on Twitter. Hey, I can't trust him. You know, it's not consistent enough for me. 13.5 in week nine, and then he had 1.8, but then he bounced back for 20.8. We know that the Atlanta Falcons give up a ton to wide receivers and quarterbacks in fantasy. So Nelson Aguilar, he's averaging 10.4, but he's scored above that plenty of times. He scored above that one, two, three, four, five times. He's had 14 points in weeks four and five. He's at 20, uh, 21.7 in week seven. 
13-5 in week nine, and then he's coming off a 20.8 game against the Kansas City Chiefs. I think he's a good play this week just because Derek Carr hasn't really uh, thrown the ball a hell of a lot to uh, Henry Ruggs or Brian Edwards, and I think that's more on them than him. I don't think that they've really stepped up and, and, and been super uh, NFL-ready. But Derek Carr is a good play this week. Derek Carr, I know, is a guy that we don't look at as a great fantasy asset just because he doesn't throw a ton of touchdowns all the time on a, on a consistent uh, weekly basis. But this year has been a little bit different. His, his passing uh, completion percentage has been great, 69.7, so he's almost at 70% completion rate. That's good for a quarterback in fantasy and in real life. He scored uh, an average of 17 points, and he's a QB 18 right now, so 12-person league. Do you play a guy that's QB 18? I think you can for the matchup if you have somebody that um, is banged up or has a really poor matchup. So last week he had 21.6. He scored 19 points in one, two, three, four, five games this season. So I don't think the ceiling is as low as it's perceived to be. And I think against the Atlanta Falcons, he's an automatic play. If you do have him, obviously you're not sitting Kyler or Josh Allen or Justin Herbert or any of those guys for Derek Carr, but I think Derek Carr is a good streaming quarterback this week, and I bet you that he can finish easily in the top 10. Will Taysom Hill have another tight end game? I mean, quarterback game like he did against uh, the Atlanta Falcons last week. I don't know. I don't know against Denver. I mean, he had 24.42 points. He went 18 for 23, which was actually great. 78.3% per, uh, percent completed um, right there. He did have a fumble. He scored two rushing touchdowns. He didn't throw a touchdown. So could, could Taysom Hill have another good week? I think he could in the sense of if he finds Michael Thomas's hands often enough, he could. Denver used to be a bit better um, in terms of uh, limiting the quarterback, but I think Taysom Hill's an okay streaming guy this week. I don't think he's going to be a top five play, a top 10 play. Might be somewhere in the 12 to 15 range. Um, Michael Thomas with Taysom Hill looked like Michael Thomas with everybody else. Um, when he was hitting those hot streaks, just because he had 12 targets. So that's the Michael Thomas. We know even without scoring a touchdown last week, he had 19.4 points. I wouldn't be surprised if he started again, somewhere between 12 and 15 times in this game. The Broncos, the Broncos, uh, you know, I, I want to talk about Jerry Judy. I, I really do. He's questionable right now, but um, hasn't had a great week since week nine. And I know that was three weeks ago. We're waiting to see more of that. 25.5 in week nine. He did have eight targets in the last two games. So KJ Hamler's popped up and been a guy that can play. Tim Patrick's had some solid weeks in fantasy. That's that's um, been clear. He's been a waiver wire guy. But if Jerry Judy's healthy in this game, I know the Saints – are not the best matchup. Um, but I think Jerry Judy could be a good flex consideration just because the last one, two, three, four games, he's had 10, 14, eight and eight targets. So he's being targeted a lot. You know, we talked a lot about him preseason and how he was linking up with uh, Drew Locke in, in um, the off season. Uh, as soon as he was drafted, they were catching balls and throwing, uh, throwing, he was throwing a Jerry Judy a lot, but again, I hope he's healthy in this game. The volume's there. He just needs to have another huge week, in my opinion, to be super fantasy relevant. 
Gordon Reed in this uh, Rams versus 49ers game is one of my plays of the week at the tight end position because the tight end position has struggled a lot this year. Last week, he had six targets. Didn't score phenomenal, but he had 11.2, so that, that was a fine option. He probably smoked whatever his projection was going into that game. Week two, he had that massive seven catches on eight target game for 24 points. He had two touchdowns. This could be the game that Jordan Reed has that sort of game again. The Rams are not a great defense to play against. They are good against the pass, but having the likes of Debo Samuel, you know, Ayuk, um, who knows what's going on with Kendrick Bourne. So many question marks with these pass catchers due to injury or COVID lists or whatever the case is going to be. Jordan Reed at the tight end position could be a guy that has eight targets in this game. And if he has eight targets and he catches six of them, he could have a good week. And if he finds the end zone, he can have a great week. So I think Jordan Reed is actually one of my plays of the week. I think Jordan Reed, even against his Rams defense, can have a top five fantasy week for the position. Might be a stretch, but if you look at the importance of Jordan Reed into this offense compared to other tight ends, I wouldn't be surprised if he has a big week. Cooper Cubs volume has been amazing in fantasy. Um, I think the last few weeks, it seemed like last game, he was only being uh, targeted at one point, uh, but then Robert Woods snuck up on him a little bit. Robert Woods is just, for me, an automatic play on a weekly basis. I think Robert Woods is the league winner this year. He had 30.6 last week, 8.6 against Seattle, which was disappointing, but the week prior, he had 28.4. He's the wide receiver 12 in fantasy right now. Robert Woods, to me, is the wide receiver one on that team. Even with Cooper Cup being a guy that gets just as many targets, if not more targets, I think Robert Woods is a bit more productive with the actual volume that he receives. So Robert Woods is an automatic play, at least in your flex position, but I think he should be everybody's wide receiver too um, for almost every week, especially since he's the wide receiver 12 on the year. Chiefs and Buccaneers, uh, that's one of the afternoon games. What is going to be in? Uh, what is going to happen in this game is TBD because a lot of people are saying it's going to be a shootout. But I'd be, I wouldn't be surprised if the run game is implemented by both sides a lot, especially if one side takes the lead in this game. So, I think in a perfect fantasy world, we look at the Chiefs and the Buccaneers as two great offenses, and we say, "Hey, these guys, Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes, are going to come out and throw the ball sixty times. The wide receivers are all going to catch the ball fifteen times in this game." I don't know if we can just assume that. I think if the Chiefs get a good lead, they start managing the game a little bit better. I think on the flip side, 100%, if the Bucs get a lead, I think they are going to game manage a lot. Ronald Jones is the wider uh, running back 12 for the year so far. He had a dud last week, 10 carries for 24 yards. So he had a 2.4 yards per carry average. He had 2.4 points. Ironically there, so we had 24 yards, 2.4 average, had 2.4 points. Fournette was not much better in that game. I think Fournette is going to be more involved in this game, and here's why. Ronald Jones, in my opinion, is not a good pass catcher. I say this behind a microphone, uh, judging an NFL guy, so it's kind of funny sometimes to think that. Leonard Fournette, the last two games, only caught three balls, but we have saw Leonard Fournette in the pass with Jacksonville catch a lot of passes. He caught 76 balls uh, in 2019. So say what you want about uh, his ability to catch the ball, but if he does get volume in this game, we saw weeks nine, week seven, he had six catches in both of those weeks. 
I think Leonard Fournette could be a good play um, for the Bucks this week just because I think against the Chiefs, Tom Brady's going to have to throw the ball a bit more. What does that mean for other guys? Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, Antonio Brown as well. Out of the three, I like Mike Evans the most. He's had more targets the last two weeks than Chris Godwin. Chris Godwin's back to full health. Against Carolina, he had 11 targets. Against the Rams, he had nine targets. He had 15-plus in both games, 19.7 in Week 10. Mike Evans is emerging as wide receiver one on this team, and I guess we have to judge it more across the next few weeks just because Chris Godwin missed time and Antonio Brown didn't play the whole season. But, you know, a lot of people were writing off Mike Evans, and he was said to be droppable, um, which was incorrect. Uh, in some leagues, but Mike Evans, I think as of right now, as of today, is shown to be the wide receiver one at least the last two weeks. So I think Mike Evans is an automatic play, and it doesn't really matter who the matchup is. So against the Chiefs, where Tom Brady might have to throw the ball um, at least 30 times, I think he could be a good play. Obviously, all three could be good plays. All three were fantasy relevant last week, so you could expect the same in this game. Tom Brady threw the ball 48 times last week, so Again, I don't think it's going to be a Rojo week just because I don't think the volume is going to be there for the guy. On the flip side, I think it's easy to say Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill. Who's going to be the other guy? I, I don't know because it fluctuates a lot. Miko Hardman, we saw good games where he had like 22.6 week eight against the Jets. He had 18.1 against the Baltimore Ravens, so two very different defenses. But he had one target last week. And he caught that target. So I guess that aspect's good. He was 100% with his passing, uh, his passes caught. Sammy Watkins is back. What does that mean? I don't know either. You know, Sammy Watkins has been a guy who's had some high volume, nine targets week one. Week three against Baltimore, he had eight. Week four against New England, he had seven. It's such just a, a dart throw with these other guys in the offense. So I think Edwards Elaire, he's coming off um, a little bit of a hot uh, streak here. I don't know if he's going to have a massive week either. I think just the three, the big three, Mahomes, Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, are your only guaranteed productive guys in this game. And we'll talk about the night game. We'll leave the Monday game out of it. But the Bears versus the Packers. As a Bears fan, we get excited for these games every single year. If we beat the Packers, it gives us a big boost of uh, confidence just because the Packers are good every year. I don't know what to expect in this game because it's looking like Mitch Trubisky is back. So Mitch Trubisky, I believe, was 3-0 as a starter before losing the job to Nick Foles in the middle of that Atlanta game. So I guess he was really 2-0. Mitch Trubisky, the passing completion percentage is pretty awful, so I don't know what that's going to mean for guys like Darnell Mooney and Anthony Miller. I think Allen Robinson, regardless of if it's Nick Foles, Mitch Trubisky, or Nick Scripp, me being the quarterback, I think he's an automatic play. Um, on the other side of the ball, obviously, Devonta Adams is one of the scariest guys to ever play against um, in fantasy. So he's going to be an automatic play always. He can be a top one or two play almost on a weekly basis. Uh, Tunyon is an interesting one in this game just because the last two games, he's had nine targets across those two games. He's caught eight catches in the last two games. He had 15.4 last week. So if you're looking for a streaming tight end, the Bears do not give up a ton of points to anybody. But if he finds the end zone just with the quality of Aaron Rodgers, he could be a good play this week. 
Dave Montgomery, I believe, is back from that concussion. He said he's good to go. What I like about David Montgomery's involvement as of late is that he's catching more balls. Obviously, with Tariq Cohen being out, that opened up that whole entire um, aspect of his game as well. So that's the big Week 12 slate there, 45 minutes of talking about games. Um, any questions I'll take real quick here? T. Higgins, Tim Patrick, or A.B., which is interesting because we talked about all three of these guys here. Um, I think slowly but surely, uh, Tim Patrick, he's been a good waiver wire guy who has had some good weeks, but I think T.J. Hamler is being um, – more utilized in this offense is, and is becoming more important. So I think now Patrick could be the wide receiver three. If Jerry Judy for his questionable status does not play, I think Tim Patrick's the one to go with out of these three guys. If Jerry Judy plays, we just talked about his target share. It's very good. And I think Hamler's emerging. So I think Patrick would be a guy I'd actually fade. T Higgins has been balling out this season. What he will do with this new quarterback, Allen, I, I don't know. I don't know. Um, I don't think the matchup scares you at all whatsoever against the Giants. Uh, so with that being said, I think he still is a guy you're going to plug into your flex position. Antonio Brown had a decent week uh, last week. All three of the pass catchers did. I just don't think that he is going to be the number one target on a weekly basis. Um, I don't think he's going to have a game this season where he is targeted the most out of Mike Evans and Chris Godwin if all three of them are healthy. So I think, long story short, the person I go with is T Higgins just because I think the passing volume is going to be there more so for him clear cut in comparison to these other guys who have to battle for the targets. I'll stay live here for another like 10 seconds, unless I get another uh, question um, for week 12. But uh, otherwise, if you like the live stream, check out the pin tweet. Christmas is around the corner and we have P2W shirts. I got my own gear up on this side here. Um, love rocking that. And I love when people take uh, selfies saying, um, hey, check what I just got in the mail. So that means a lot to me. But uh, yeah, thanks for listening. Um, I, I, I had a thank you video I just had yesterday, last night. Um, just talking about how I have 3,500 plus followers right now. And that is outstanding. It's amazing to me. I think it's crazy that so many people follow the P2W brand. And I really appreciate uh, everybody who does in all the friendships I've made in this fantasy community. So Thank you very much for listening, guys. Have a good rest of your weekend and good luck in week 12.